one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm going to be dispensing with all the introductions. Because I can't get any sense out of you two. <laughs> but I just wanted to say. <laughs> oh, hold on, Chris. Chris, have you noticed somebody's cranky? Even though. <laughs> you can do it! You can do it! <laughs> Is this shirt slimming? Presented by Christopher Sulos, Robert Barnhill, Philip Muscatello. The highs, the lows, the triumphs, the invigilators, the laughter, the tears. Is this shirt slimming? I guess it must be a podcast. Whoops. What is it about this song? We're listening to Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Actually, I should have known that having seen the, um, the show Jersey Boys. I haven't seen the show. I have an aversion to musicals. I, I've seen Jerky Boys, which was about the, like the meat industry. I heard Meat is Murder yesterday for the first time in decades. Yeah. And it was awful. Old Misery Guts singing with cow noises in the background. <laughs> no, no, forget about, forget about the Smiths. We've, we did Britpop last week. We're talking about Fun and Acapulco, a cover. Oh. Is it a cover band or a covers band? Ooh. Oh. A cover band is a band that does one identity, isn't it? Like the ABBA cover show or whatever. Something very important about Fun and Acapulco, and that is the backstage professionals. But on stage? No, that's all I can say. That's the high point. <laughs> I, was, I was just telling um, Chris yesterday about being in a covers band, and what did you say, Chris, that uh, covers bands paid for your first house? Yeah, but a cover band. Yeah, exactly. It covers, yeah. What was the favourite song to cover? To play live? Jump. I just love the – it's just bigger than some of its parts. It always sounds exciting. As soon as the keyboard starts, I'm just waiting for the first do 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 after the keyboard <laughs> starts. It's just magnificent. And for some reason, any band I've played it in plays it correctly. Musos, if they can half play, tend to play that one just dead right. I don't know why. I don't like Jump. I don't like Van Halen. And I, I, I no, that's like- okay because it's not about what you like when I'm playing bass on stage in another band. But now it is about you. What's your favourite? <laughs> I think my favourite play live was probably, probably Under the Bridge by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Really? Mm, I love <laughs> playing that. In front of Nekapulka, we had three-part harmonies happening beautifully. And yeah. the outro on that just fantastic. It's probably it's probably one of their best. Oh, it's, it's a great ballad. It's a great rock ballad by a great rock band. It wasn't easy to sing, but I don't find any song easy to sing. <laughs> you know what the song's about, don't you? I think I might. Tell us, Chris. The period when he used to buy heroin at a certain address. I just want to go back to Jump again for a minute. The thing I like about Van Halen, I mean, there's a lot to like about Van Halen. Guitarist-wise, what a fantastic guitarist and drummer, and they were just so tight and wonderful. But, of course, David Lee Roth, who was... Uh, Absolutely. Uh, a couple of his sayings, I think, was his fantasy was to have two dicks. <laughs> <laughs> a boy's got to have dreams. Two <laughs> yeah, dicks. Yeah, yes, and um, a... money can't buy you happiness, but it can buy you a yacht big enough to sail right up next to it. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I didn't realise how deep he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, many layers to David Lee Roth. <laughs> My favourite when we were in Guys That Are Fun together, Rob, was this one. 
Jeez, that was so much fun to play. <laughs> I always loved playing Viva Las Vegas. Yeah, look, Elvis does a good version of it, but I think Rob really would be able to deliver the actual. I think that, that like he, he sings it like it's his. My version was up there with James Ray. Well, I think yours is as good as Sting's version. <laughs> I, I've always loved playing that song, Phil, with you and without you. Um, but we don't. We always we always more played the um, the Dead Kennedys version, didn't we? Even if I ran out of speed, I wouldn't sleep a minute away. Yeah, do you remember the Dead Kennedys? Jello Biafra. Yes, I do. Jello Biafra. Jello Biafra. Ah, oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Interesting record covers they used. A lot of uh, poor people and mm. hungry people. Holiday in Cambodia, one of their hit singles. It was fantastic. I, I saw them at saw them live at the Trade Union Club and saw someone fall <laughs> asleep in front of one of the W bins. Yeah, was- <laughs> the sound guy. That was that's where he lived. What was it like being in a band? And I mean, how many nights a week did you work, Rob? I mean, what were you doing, and why did you do it? Why did um, Why did you join a band? You didn't need to. Of every gig, like it was the most important gig I've ever done, and it could be my last. It's sort of like sex. And um, what do you mean, be your last? What? Oh no, no, no! This could be the last time I do it, sort of thing. But still, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> I, I, no, I loved every gig. Every gig. And and often the gigs would would lead to sex as well. I believe. Oh, Phil, I was more about the music, man. <laughs> I was that heart attack. That's funny. Oh, but we were lucky. We had some great gigs. Uh, yeah. We played at the Hilton, the Marvel Bar, once a week for 10 years. We played at the Orient Hotel once a week for 10 years. And then we had a lot of other gigs. But those two were just fantastic. The Great Northern Hotel at Chatwood. And, um, and we were entertaining, particularly for us, which was uh, our main motivation, mine at least. But you remember playing, Phil. It was, it's great fun to play live. Oh, it's a, it's absolutely wonderful. It's such a buzz playing live. And the other thing is, when you when you do play live, that's when you really get good as a musician. It's um, well, you can do all the practice yeah. you want, but getting up on stage, that's when you really get your chops going. You know, and uh, playing with the with a band. And, you see, you I know. was somebody in a cab rode past, and this would have been about ninety. I don't know, ninety something, ninety three, ninety four, and somebody yelled out, "Guys that are fun." And we'd broken up in '84, hadn't we, Phil? Oh, yeah, I like. I always like the name guys that are fun. Who came up with that name? Oh, I think uh, I think Mr. Barnhill did. <laughs> that was. I like. It. Always uh, like sorry, that to, sorry to use a politically incorrect term, but I remember the um, the Harbour Agency wasn't it? Their 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 cry for us was someone booked that Pufter band. <laughs> <laughs> we. No one could ever believe that was the name of the band. In fact, um, on Triple J, when they called out the name one night on the gig guide and they were saying, and tonight at the Trade Union Club, guys that are fun. And then there was a pause, a very long pause. And then the jock said, I guess they must be a band. (laughs) So, of course, (laughs) from then on, we we put that on all our posters and all our publicity material. Guys that are fun. I guess they must be a band. Triple J. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as their endorsement. <laughs> That's a great review. <laughs> Did you see the guys that have done promotional milk carton in my back room on the weekend, Phil? No, I didn't. Is it still is still alive? See, Chris, um, we had um, we played one night at the Cardoma Club. Was it the Cardoma Club? The one in Bayswater? Oh, the dark, yeah. The, yeah, the, the, the Cardoma, Cardoma Cafe. Cafe. 
which we also used to call the dark coma. Yeah, go on. The managers of that place um, saw us and were smitten, instantly smitten with us and wanted to manage us. And that was... Well, it was. Yeah, they loved us. Yeah, that's right. They wanted to uh, come up with a, a great promotional idea and it was a, a milk carton, a guys that are fun branded milk carton. <laughs> and I think it actually says, I guess they must be a band on it. Does it, does it say that on the milk carton? <laughs> that's the most, that's most bizarre idea. Oh, I've forgotten that. This is the podcast of personal reminiscences. And so, Chris, what's it like for you playing in a band? Do you still get a thrill? Phil, I absolutely love it. And uh, I, I actually look for I don't care if it's a, a like a high-profile gig or, or a church gig on a Sunday. Or I, I just love being able to just let people feel comfortable about being in the room with music playing and it's coming out of my fingers. And it's not an ego trip. I just want people to be comfortable. More than anything, I want them to. I just want them to transcend a little bit, you know. I, look, I'm, I don't want to be in a band that plays somewhere and someone comes in and they've got the week's problems on their shoulders and they leave and they're even more burdened than when they came in. That's not really what I'm there for, you know. You know, I want them to. Li- I want their life, lives to be a little bit lighter, you know, because I was I was part of whatever it was that took away some of the weight of life, you know. There's a guy that I work with sometimes, Slide McBride. He does weddings, of yeah. course, with a name like that. Yeah. And they're the best wedding band I've ever seen. They're fantastic. And he's he's serious about things like knowing all the lyrics to the songs. You know, you see so many bands where the singers are, yeah. you know, what reading off an iPad or something, you know. They're there because that's where they can make some money. But because he's more taken it as a, a mission in life to... Um, to actually add something to weddings. And I think that's like that for any musician and for yourself, that you want to add something to people's lives without getting too serious about it. Well, but it is, yeah, well, you know, it's, it sounds serious when you talk about it. That's the trouble because the words don't really, our language is limited in explaining something as really nice as music. Music's totally ephemeral. You, you can't really take a piece of music with you, you know, but you can take away all the emotions you felt from it. And people, are, of course, are in all altered states at some of these gigs anyway. But in spite of that, you still try and transcend what they're thinking, what they're feeling. You, you, sometimes they need to feel the drama, the power, the majesty. Sometimes they just just need to be a, a jerk, jerky song that just makes makes everyone feel good. Have you had these transcended experiences, Rob? As well, occasionally it would feel like out of body yeah. experience. It, does it was almost like you were watching yourself and listening to yourself. But the most important part of the gig I remember from a band <laughs> perspective at the end of the night. After Bob had been to see the manager, I'd walk into a chorus of "Split the cash." <laughs> that was that's what my band was about. Certainly, my drummer split the cash. <laughs> it's, really, yeah, it's, really, it's great to end on a positive note. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that's why there was no point in playing shit songs. A song list of mine, but I'll just yeah. read the first first ten songs. I'd blister in the sun. Can't take my eyes off you. Come back again by Daddy Cool. Counting the Beat, which was the biggest selling single in 1981 in Australia. And it's a one-hit wonder. Crazy Little Thing by Queen, which I'm not a Queen fan, but that's a great song. Echo yeah. Beach by Martha and the Muffins. Oh, great. Gone Daddy Gone by Violent Femmes. I Feel Fine by the Beatles was a great song to play live. It yeah. really was a great song. I See Red by, the, by Split Ends. There are a lot of others on this list, but that, that's just ten of them. 
just great fun. They were great songs, and that's why we picked those songs. It didn't matter if they'd been a hit or not, because there was that Triple J hit, which means it didn't sell anything, but a lot of people knew it. Like Blister in the Sun. I don't think it ever sold many copies, but... God, everybody younger than me knows it. Oh, man, I, um, I still every play, play it. I still play Everyone it knows nearly every gig. Does it work? <laughs> Works its ass off, mate. See, this is, <laughs> as a DJ, I should explain now, because I've never explained on this podcast that I work as a DJ, so I'm a bit of an anti-musician. And um, like you guys, you get. I feel like I've got this toolbox of songs. You take out a, a particular tool for a particular moment at, um, in the night. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, songs like Blister in the Sun, that... It just depends on the crowd because what you're doing when you're DJing, you, you kind of go between different eras with a crowd that you've got to cover so many different areas. So, you know, you might have a Madonna, you know, mid, uh, mid-80s kind of set and then you might go mm-hmm. into a bit more current stuff and then you might go back again and um, do Love Shack with Tainted Love with a Blister in the Sun and that becomes that little triple play. And can I just add, when you hear a song through a good sound system, it usually takes on a much more of a life if it's got any life to it. A couple of weeks ago, I've added Xanadu. Now, I can't believe it, but Xanadu is is such a monster song. And you don't realise it until you you hear it through a good sound system. (laughs) It's an amazing song. Can I just give you two word answer? The two words are Jeff Lynn. Oh, yeah. Is that that a Jeff Lynn song? Sure is. He, he produced oh, it. Oh, that makes sense. It's the sixth Beatle. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. No, yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. I just hope people understand what we're talking about if we're talking to different age groups. But um, Jeff Lynn was in ELO and all those fantastic songs. And the joke about uh, Jeff Lynn was that he always wanted to be in the Beatles but just could never be. But he was trying to make music that was what the Beatles would have gone on to make if they'd stayed together. He... Um, he- he actually uh, loved the period where the Beatles started introducing the, the cellos and that was the spot where he locked in the sound for, for ELO. He had to have the cello thing. And he just thought it was the most magnificent um, uh, bridge between the classical scene and the rock scene and the art scene was the, was the, the sound of the cellos. So, yeah, you'll always mm. find he's got the cellos really pushing the bottom end in his recordings and, of course, they sound great. Yeah, he does a great job. Yeah. You know, he was unashamed. Yeah, he should have been in the Beatles. You know. He was on the last Beatles single. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The one that they released a few years ago, is that the one they found? Or? About 10 years ago. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, he's on that. Oh, okay, there you go. Okay. Well, George Martin would have been going deaf by then because he ended up becoming stone deaf. Really? By the end of his years, was not hit, couldn't hear. Oh, I'm really depressed now. Wow, Beethoven. Beethoven never worked with the Beatles. He never, he, he didn't do any Beatles stuff. Didn't he roll over with them? He, oh, that was Chuck Berry. <laughs> Chuck Berry. <laughs> yeah, but they covered it. They that covered was a cover it as well. song, which is the theme of it tonight. It's the theme of tonight. Cover. Just talking about Olivia Newton John, just for a moment. I love Olivia. Physical. Yeah. You're the one that I want. Yeah. Have you ever been mellow? Yeah. Uh, hopelessly devoted to you. Yeah. Summer Nights. She had some great songs. Yeah. She's a great singer. This is what I just wanted to talk about too with the covers is that 
being a DJ, and I shouldn't give away my secrets, but I've got like about 300 songs, which is mainly the songs that I choose from because you know that they're songs that work. Yeah, and, you know, some people will go, oh, you know, put on such and such, everyone will go off. And you'll go, no, they're not. They're not <laughs> going to go off. And they don't when you, you, know, when you do that. <laughs> As Brett Martin, my DJ mentor, says, my responsibility begins and ends on the dance floor. Wow. <laughs> That's serious. <laughs> He's very serious about it. That's yeah, serious. thanks, Brett. Can I just bring up a couple of more song titles? Ichiku Park by the... One of the best songs we ever did, It's Not Unusual, by Tom Jones. Love Will Keep Us Together by Captain Neil, but written by Neil Sedaka. Yes, Material Girl, Madonna, My Sharona, Pretty Woman by Roy Orbison, always goes off. What is it about that song? It's because it's perfect. It's like opera. That song is like opera. Roy's like an opera singer. Oh, I love um, it. Rebel Yell, Rock the Casbah, uh, Smells Like Teen Spirits, Song 2, Sorry by the Easy Beats. Lot, there's lots of great Easy Beat songs that crowds love, yeah. even though they broke up in the 60s. Uh, Step Back in Time by Kylie Minogue. Uh, Suspicious Minds by Elvis, which is just a great song. Love Cats by The Cure. These Boots Are Made For Walking by Ned. Uh, like, most cover bands play a lot of these songs. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to see a covers band. Is this shirt slimming? We gladly feast on the future to nourish the past. With Phil at his place at Rushcutters Bay, opposite my place at Rushcutters Bay, and we were watching Funnanak and Polka. So I, I was going to put a covers band together. The Elvis movie. Yeah, that's right. Remember, there might be one or two young people listening to this who have never heard of Elvis Presley or realise that he was a, a major movie star. He was like Johnny Depp before Johnny Depp. That's pretty, I'd agree with Play that. anything, racing car driver, <laughs> scuba instructor. Love interest. His own cousin. <laughs> that was an acting, right. acting tour de force, wasn't it? Oh, it was technically brilliant. Guys, you remember that period in your life when you, you spent your teenage years in garages, in your bedroom, playing music, playing music with various people, trying out all sorts of different things, and the first time you ever go on stage? The first time I was in a band on stage or the first time I was on stage? No, well, tell us about both. Uh, oh, yeah, I got dressed up in a white jumpsuit, a, a, work, a builder's, one of those uh, hats they wear on a building site, they crash thing, what do you call it? Yeah, a hard hat, hobnail boots, and played at the – there was a final year art thing where they put on the art exhibition of all the students. So I played for the whole thing, just improvised piano. But the first gig I did was uh, with Greg Olson, Flavio Vigenzi, the drummer, Greg Olson, the guitarist, and Joe Atala, who ended up joining Jimmy and the boys. And we played a gig at the Holy Cross in Kensington at a, a girls' school at a dance. It was the first live gig I played as a bass player. Well, I remember my first it, yeah. time on, on stage. The guitarist was Philip Muscatello and it was our school. That's right, yeah. We played an original musician. Come on, help me, Philip. Lost Love. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and uh, there weren't many lyrics. I think it was Lost Love, Lost Love, Lost Love, Lost Love. I'm crying, I'm crying, I'm crying, I'm crying. I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm, I'm dying. dying. I'm dying, I'm <laughs> dying. I'm writing this down. Slow down. I'm, I'm dead. <laughs> to which Phil would, I'd be on my back and Phil would sing... 
<laughs> we always took our music very seriously. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I think I think People it did very well like from memory. People don't write like that. <laughs> but I think that song went over really well. I borrowed a jacket from Stan, a very large jacket, so I could hide in it. Talking Heads jacket. Pre-Talking Heads, yeah, yeah. They must have got that idea from us. I think they did, yeah. <laughs> David Byrne was in the, in the audience at Kingsgrove North High School taking notes, obviously. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he was a nobody in those days. When Elvis died, he died in what nineteen seventy seven, something like that. And we were always Correct. we were always looking yeah. at Elvis. I mean, I'm not sure what it was like for you guys, but there was we were very ironic in our interpretations of Elvis. You know, we all loved Elvis, but because we were becoming older and wanting to be cooler, we had to have this ironic kind of veneration of Elvis until he died. It's hard to get over. Um, oh, what was that awful song? He, he did some awful songs. When no one else can understand me. But then he had some great songs, and I noticed on your list, uh, Suspicious Minds is there. Has anyone else ever had a song that's faded out and then faded back in again? I mean, that's the kind of confidence he brought uh, to music. Uh, yeah, I think there have been a couple of others. What, of his or other people? No, other people. Oh, yeah, it's not an uncommon... It's Well, it's not that common, but yeah, it has been... A, in Every Dream, Home of Heartache fades out and back. That's right, In Every Dream, Home of Heartache. My favourite Elvis song is Edge of Reality. Ah. Oh. <laughs> we used to play that. Funny, Polka used to play it, and I had a mic put onto a telephone, and we used to plug it into a DI, and I'd sing it, I'd sing Edge of Reality into a telephone, a normal, yeah. and it sounded tinny and shit ass, and it was fantastic. In that period when we were first going into bands and getting into playing music live, I remember the moment, I can still remember where I was and the person saying to me, listen to this, the needle going into the record groove and Rock Lobster coming on. I mean, that was that was a huge song. Oh, <laughs> far out. Of, that's a great... Piece. It changed everything, didn't it? It changed everything. Yeah, yeah. Where were you, Phil? I was in Woolloomooloo. Remember that um, flat that I was living in that I took over from yeah. a couple of English guys? And then uh, Noel, who was living there, who was an engineer, who'd been working on um, Midnight Oil albums and has since became Stock Ake and Waterman's mastering engineer. But uh, that's another story for another podcast, and we might even get Noel on to chat about these sort of things. Wow. Did you know that the B-52s were into Yoko Ono, and all those noises that they were making were oh, Yoko, Yoko Ono? The yeah, that Yoko Ono sounds. They were big, big fans of Yoko Ono. Totally makes sense. John Lennon thanked them for taking Yoko Ono seriously. Oh, that's that's it's it's thing. very good that all of Yoko's fans joined a band together. Um <laughs> So, uh, Chris, can you remember the first time that you heard uh, Rock Lobster? I think the first time I heard it was on uh, Rage because I was gigging a lot, like Rob. That's because I never, I was just wanted to mention, I never saw Rob's bands because I was working at the same time. Yeah. Uh, you missed out, mate. So, we actually used to come home after gigs, whoever's house was nearest or, or was felt like it, and we'd watch Rage for three or four hours. And uh, I remember Rock Lobster coming on, and guys, Guys started talking. I said, "Hang on, hang on," and I remember listening to it, like going, "This is really freaking good." You know, there was something about it. There was like what one bass, one guitar, an organ that appears, and these singers screeching, and a guy who just has an awful voice sounding magnificent in the track. It sounds like a 
guy who works in a clothing store. It just he's like voice. he's declaiming. He's declaiming all the time, isn't he? He's not, he's not like he's like an orator. Fred Schneider. <laughs> Fred Schneider. There you go. Perfect. Perfect name. It was a rock lobster. Uh, it just sound, I don't know. It just sounded like a prematurely old guy. <laughs> Here comes a narwhal. How many, how many songs have got narwhal <laughs> in them? <laughs> there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Immortalised. Yeah, great song. Great song. Speaking of whales, if you have a moment, have a listen to Bob Dylan's acceptance speech for his Nobel Prize, talking about Moby Dick. He's, he's actually, I could sit there and listen to Bob for hours. He's wonderful. There you go. There you go. He is wonderful. Anyway, he is wonderful. Has anyone ever covered a Bob Dylan song? Everyone seems to, but not any of no. us. No. Um, Brian Ferry covers enough for the rest of us. Actually, that yeah, that's <laughs> that, that's the first song that I got into Brian Ferry with. Is um, oh, where you my blood son? Hard rain's going to fall. My darling young one. With a couple of trannies singing backing vocals. I've seen Bob twice in the last fifteen years. And he's just terrific. He is. He's good, isn't he? Oh, I love Bob Dylan. I used, to hate, I used to hate Bob Dylan, but I love Bob Dylan now. But you wouldn't cover any songs in a covers band, would you? I mean, I, I can't think of any of his songs that would work in a covers band situation. Mm, no. No. See, they're, they're just not – there's a certain tempo to his stuff which doesn't relate to party time. The yeah. birds did all right. Yeah, the, the great dance band. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> The hazy fantasy of the 60s. They had to invent disco to counteract the birds, didn't they? They're the most anti-dance <laughs> band right. of all. It's, it's only my opinion, but I think that... Um, um, who are we talking about? The birds. Your opinion. Remind me again. Oh, the birds. Roger McGuinn. <laughs> no, Roger McGuinn, as of, as Hold on, hold on. I like Roger. Roger McGuinn, as a vocalist, he's up there with Mick Jagger. <laughs> but... but but not as good as Peter. Not as good as Peter Garrett. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Now, hold on, no, Phil. We're talking vocalists. <laughs> okay. no, sorry, sorry. We're talking about. We're not talking about singers. We're talking about vocal stylists, aren't we? Oh <laughs> uh, no, not the case of Peter Garrett. So, Chris, we haven't heard about some of your bands that you've uh, worked with because you, you've worked with a lot of bands that are um, more of a a show based around a particular artist. There, it does. It, we, we do that, yeah. I've, I've, Phil, I've done so much. I can't even think. Rob seems to be able to come up and tell, tell his stories about what he's done. I've just done so much that I've... Oh, okay, if I can jog your memory, uh, Jeff Duff. Oh, I love Jeff. I love working with Jeff. Absolutely loved it. In Ten years I was in the band with him. And it was like, it just, it went so fast. It was such a great period. That's like a covers band, isn't it? It was all covers. The The band was The Prophets featuring Jeff Duff. And it was a 10-piece band. And um, Jeff was a singer. So it was basically a soccer team with the guys on stage. And we used to, it used to be just full of women. The whole place would be packed with women. And uh, I remember going into the audience. And there was a friend of mine that turned up. I said, why is there so many girls here? You being a girl. She said, this is one of the few bands in Sydney that's full of men. They were there for the toxic masculinity, were they? Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They'd given up. The patriarchy was going to win, and it won their hearts. <laughs> so, um, Rob, we're calling, it, we're calling this episode of Is This Shirt Slimming? Fun in Acapulco, in honour of you. Not of Elvis, of me. I think it's um, up to you this week to tell us the, the name of the website where everyone can get more information and where this website is. What website's that, Phil? 
<laughs> well, Rob. Sorry, I'm busy. I'm busy typing on Messenger. <laughs> now that you've asked, it's uh, slimmingly.strikingly.com. Wow. Well, how's, the, how's the relationship going there? <laughs> <laughs> you're obviously not covering you're afraid, the big topics. You're afraid to bring these things. You're afraid to bring no, these yeah. things up. In, <laughs> yeah, people who say they've never had an off back just don't try hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. That's really funny. <laughs> You've been listening to Is This Shirt Slimming? Brought to you by the Dato Foreskin Restoration Clinic. Time to act. Become intact. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.